Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for July 12th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Names and Deeds. What is your destiny? Or do you have one? Have you ever felt something was just so right, perfection in every detail, that it must have been planned from the beginning? Sometimes relationships feel like that. From the beginning. Sometimes careers feel like that from the beginning? Have you known some moment that was so surprising, so filled with the grace of something greater that it just could not have been without divine intervention? The only way it could have happened is for God to pull the strings of time and eternity, orchestrating the molecules and the currents, bringing together the diverse threads of all of history's weaving in a tapestry of that just right, improbably perfect moment. Have you ever known that? In the aftermath of the devastating tragedy that is the heart of Mark's story, his friends tried to piece together how something so disastrous could have happened. Their minds could not contain the immensity of the moment. He was the one. He was the one. They just knew it. Israel had been waiting. The sacred writings, as they read them, indicated the time was right. The time was right. All the signs had come together. You know, it just looked like it. It felt like it to them. It was all coming together. They could see a plan. How else? Why else would they all be in Jerusalem together at that kind of time, at that kind of moment together? It was their destiny. And it all came crashing down. And just as the perfection, the rightness of the moment was so mammoth in its sweep that it could be explained no other way, so was the infinite size of this tragedy. It was so incomprehensible that there was only one way to make sense of that, too. This must have been God's plan. From the beginning, there was just no other way to make sense of this. The idea was so inconceivable, it was hard to process. It ran counter to everything they had known. Their religious system gave order, purpose, and meaning. It gave rightness and righteousness through law and a purity that made sense of all things. And the death of Jesus was completely at odds with all of that. Just maybe 
That was the genius of it. Maybe, just maybe, that was the one way to know that this was of God. No human being could ever conceive of such a paradoxical way. Once that reversal in the orthodoxy of their thinking set in, rather than contradicting everything they knew, everything began to confirm what they had experienced. This was planned from the beginning. It's hard for us to imagine anything that could be more ironic than this reversal that had occurred to first century Jews living in Palestine, occupied by Rome. The symbol of the brutality and oppression of Rome, the power of this pagan oppressor. The symbol was an implement of inconceivable torturous death, the cross, and dying on a tree so says the scriptures, by hanging or by execution, dying on a tree was understood as a literal curse of God. So how could this cross become the symbol of the very heart and will of God? How that came to be is a story that is beyond words, but that is what happened. And the, the reversal of their understanding of that was so immense that everything changed. If the cross had been the plan from the beginning, then everything else had, fallen, had, had to fall into place as the molecules and the currents leading to that one central planned moment that was destined. From the beginning. So Judas, Judas was part of that plan. He had to have been. He had no choice, really. If this was the perfect plan, his part was an obvious, if unfortunate, necessity. Though woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. But Judas didn't really get a choice about his birth, did he? Like the rest of us, he didn't get a choice about any of the details, who his parents were, where he was born, when he was born, what position in history. Poor Judas. This was just his lot. From the beginning, it was his destiny. Do you believe that? In an essay on this character, who is perhaps the most despised character in all of human history, R.C. Messler says, by exploring Judas's character and fate through the imagination, we may be able to see Judas as our patron saint the agent whose dark work was a necessary part of our salvation. If the cross was the plan, someone had to betray 
And that role was just one obvious cog in the wheel of the mechanics that moved the plot from triumphal entry to Good Friday. Right? Do you believe that? I cannot recall what the tragedy was right now, but when we lived in Birmingham, news came one day of another of those great national sins we have endured, one of those media-glamorized killings of epic proportion. The names of the victims are sadly forgotten. The names of the killers become infamous, but memorialized. Sarnayev, Lanza, Harris, Klebold, Dahmer, we can all recite the names. Over breakfast Bible study one morning, a church member offered his sad opinion that some people, this latest killer among them, some people are just born absolute evil. His comment stopped me cold, but he would not be persuaded otherwise. Even when I quoted the words of the creation narrative that we all are created in the image of God, even God's words at that creation, pronouncing human beings very good. Oh, this was no deterrent to my friend. For something to happen like this, there was only one explanation. This boy was born evil. I hope you do not believe that. And I hope that you do not believe that Judas lived a life of predestined destiny. That he had no choice in the matter. That he was just living out the plot God had planned for him in some perfect plan. Today's text, leading up to the culmination of Mark's gospel, which is the cross, And that cross, which is the heart of the story, today's text offers a powerful contrast in characters. I hope you heard that. Even 2,000 years after the fact, the two central figures call us to a poignant challenge in our own life. What will be my legacy and yours? The woman in our story, like most women in scriptural stories, are un, she is unnamed. We know her only because of her compassion, her lavish, lavish generosity. The gift was costly, a full year's salary, and she wasted it on Jesus. The disciples were offended, religiously indignant that she would be so wasteful. She could have spent that money on the poor. Well, Jesus' comments to his offended disciples make it clear that he did not believe their sincerity. Their offense was selfish and self-righteous. And Jesus praised her nameless generosity. We live in a culture of excess. 
We glamorize the lives of the rich and the famous, and we have learned to defend the opulent inequity of overpaid CEOs because capitalism has become the American idol. But underneath our love of excess is our fear that there is not enough to go around. So our culture teaches us to cling tightly to it, to what is, you know, mine to store it up today, to put it away for tomorrow, to hoard it, even when there are children without shoes in our local elementary schools and with not enough food to eat on the weekends. We live out of a mentality of scarcity, and the examples of those who live truly generously, who will give not out of their abundance, not like Bill Gates gives. God bless him for what he's given, but he's giving out of abundance. Not those who give sacrificially. We have few examples of those who give sacrificially. Jesus said that this woman, though she will not be remembered by name, will be remembered for all time because of her wasteful love. What a wonderful legacy. And then comes one whose name is known across the centuries because he sold out his friend for some money. The way Mark records the story should not go unnoticed to us. The woman's gift of ointment, he says specifically, cost 300 denarii, that's 300 days wage, more than a year's common salary. But all we know of Judas's betrayal is that he was willing to do it on the promise that his co-conspirators would give him some money. I guess the money really didn't matter to either of them. For one, no amount of money was too much to express her commitment. And to the other, no amount of money was too small to prohibit his betrayal. Their lives, one which was marked by lavish generosity and one that was marked by cheap betrayal, their lives were both lived freely, completely radically free. That is how we live in this world God is making free, each one of us. My friend, the late Dr. William E. Hull, opened my understanding to the boundless freedom of human living in a sermon he preached years ago on Mary, the mother of Jesus. <clears throat> Dr. Hull asked simply if Mary could have said no when the angel came to say, you're to be the mother of the Messiah. Well, it was a simple question, but one that many religious folks instinctively answer in the negative. Oh, no. No, Mary couldn't have said no. You know, the cross was God's plan, so the birth was an obvious necessity. Jesus had to be born, and Jesus had to have a mother. Someone had to say yes. Mary was the someone. God called Mary. You get the logic. It follows on down to Judas' story. They couldn't have said no. This was the plan. 
But Dr. Hall said emphatically, Mary could have said no. She was free. Maybe, in fact, there were other Marys, quote-unquote Marys, who at another time had said no. And so their story was not fulfilled. In fact, maybe God's purpose, God's calling, God's plan has really always been the same thing. From the beginning, God is calling us, each one, to really live. And in the moments when human beings answer that call, then God really does work in this world. But it's up to you and me and Mary and Judas to answer. The Christian narrative says it all worked out in the story of Jesus. Mary said yes, and Jesus said yes, and the disciples said yes, and the church said yes after Jesus. Every single one of those characters could have said no, but they did not. And so something happened that was just so right. It all just came together so perfectly that when we look back on it, we can see it in no other way. This, we say, must have been the plan from the beginning. And I think that would be true. So the question for us this day as we think of the woman and of Judas. How will we use our freedom? Who will we be? To whom or to what will you be true? To what covenant? The lavish, generous lover? Is that who we will be? Even if no one ever remembers our name, or will we be the one who betrays love and friendship, truth and goodness? You know, I love reading the stories of the Bible because if you're serious about it, there's always something new. And I should have realized this before, but it had never jumped out at me like it did when I read it this time. In Mark's story, as they are preparing for the meal together, Jesus says, I know that one of you will betray me. But Mark says, he serves each one of them anyway. All of his friends. In this grouping of stories, we have this story of incredible generosity from a nameless woman, and this story of foreboding betrayal, and then we have an example of love and friendship that is breathtaking. Jesus knows he will be betrayed, and he passes the bread. And then when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all 
become my deserters. But Peter said to him, remember Peter. You remember Peter. Peter said to him, oh no, even though they all become deserters, I will not. Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same thing. So here is Mark's gospel story. Jesus offers the bread and wine of a life lived lavishly, given sacrificially. And Mark's only question follows in the tension of impending betrayal. What about your life? Even if we have to die with you, we will not deny you. Will we be true? May it be so. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.